Uh, welcome this morning to our, our service, our online service. Um, it's an opportunity for us to be part of some worship and also to hear God's, God's word. And if you're here for the first time this morning, welcome. Uh, welcome. I know sometimes, you know, there are people in the church who like who we invite others to come along and uh, I know it's Zoom, but at the same time, we're really grateful that you're, that you're with us this morning. And as I say, most weeks, um, I really encourage you, if you are uh, here for the first time or you've only been here a few times, uh, reach out to us, uh, be in contact with us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we're really glad that you're with us and we hope that God's word speaks to your heart. It's no coincidence, no accident that you're here this morning. And that's what's really incredible about it. God doesn't just do things you know, on the spot. Uh, this was planned uh, for you to be here. And I pray that this morning uh, God's really speaking to your heart because we're here to be, be serious about our faith. We're here to be serious about God. We're here to be serious about who we are as Christians. We're not here just to play church and, and go to a go to a, you know a group of people who like us but we're here to we're here to yes be amongst people who love us but most importantly to get serious about our faith and we sharpen one another in this faith so so I pray this morning that this that you are uh, really encouraged that the word of God speaks to your heart and that your heart is open to hear what God uh, has to say it's been about oh, it's been just over five months now since uh, this COVID uh, virus has locked us down or kept us away from our church building uh, and that's amazing to think over five months. I don't think we ever thought it would be that long, uh, but it is It is what it is. And uh, I believe God is still providing and God will keep providing. So don't get discouraged, even though sometimes it can feel like this. Uh, it can feel like you know, quite discouraging. But remember, God is still providing. Uh, he hasn't stopped working. And that's what you've got to understand, whether it's COVID or no COVID. The same God is providing the same way in order to get the same results. Uh, and that's what we've got to keep in mind. Uh, it's just that we've got this little detour along the way that God is still using to his advantage. It doesn't matter what the enemy does or what people do or however you want to look at it. God is still, God is still providing what he needs to provide to get you, me, to the, to the place he needs to get us to. So you need to keep remembering that these situations and these scenarios, God hasn't stopped doing what he has to do and God is going to keep providing. Amen. This is your faith. This is our faith. And this is what we, we want to keep um, believing, uh, even if it takes another two or three months before we actually get back together. God willing, it doesn't, but even if, but even if it does. Um, before I pray, um, I hope that some of you may have taken the opportunity to memorise um, memorize maybe Psalm 23, verse 6, uh, that we looked at last week. As I say that psalm, I think some of you will remember what I'm talking about. But it was that intimate verse where God doesn't let up. God keeps going. He, he, wherever you go and whatever we're doing, he's there following. And, and the scripture is that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I want us to think about that again just briefly this morning before I share with you. That's a really important verse. And if you memorize that verse, that's fantastic. That's a verse that you know, perhaps you could say is close to your heart now, that's, that you've kept his word in, in, in your heart, um, that this is going to help you when you feel alone, when you feel lonely, when you feel like uh, is, it, is, it, is anything uh, really um, who's there to help me? And so that you can remember that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And these are the verses that are, can be really uh, like a like a solid foundation for us. Even the same one back in um, in First Samuel 17, I think verse 47. You know that the battle belongs to the Lord. These verses are, are can really get us through times when it's difficult as well. 
But at the end of the day, goodness and mercy does follow us. And I want us to keep that in, in, in mind. Perhaps it will help us with a little bit of today's message. Uh, and perhaps it will help us even, even during the week as well. Okay, let me, let me pray for us. And I'm going, to read, I'm going to read from the scriptures and share with you some thoughts this morning. So let's pray together as a church. Father, we thank you that you have allowed us to have another day. This is the day that you've made, Lord. You've allowed us to come on this session together on Zoom. As different as it is, Lord, you're the same God with the same word, wanting to provide the same message. And, Father, I thank you for this. Father, I pray that you may uh, take control of all things this morning, that you may deliver your word as it ought to, that you may speak to the hearts of those that are listening, and that you may open up, Lord, the hearts that perhaps are hard. Father, for those who are probably hearing your word for the first time, I pray that you speak to them and make yourself clear to them. And I pray that you would take what is said, that lives may be transformed. For your glory, Lord, hide us behind your cross. And may the only thing that be seen today is Jesus and his word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, I want to read from First um, Kings ch chapter seventeen. First Kings chapter seventeen in the Old Testament, and uh, we took, we've been we've spoken about um, the hero, you know, one of the heroes in the Old Testament, David, and as he came across Goliath. And I want to read a story today about another couple of heroes, um, um, and I, I hope that this is encourage encourages you in some way. Now. I don't think I'm going to get through all this today again, but I wanted to start this morning by, by um, sharing a little bit about what God is doing and uh, a little bit about what it means in the life of Elijah. Um, and then next week, maybe this week, next week we'll roll into what that means for the life of the widow that he uh, spends some time with and is able to bless uh, in the name of the Lord. But here's another couple of heroes in the scripture. Another couple of heroes, and I put them, I would be comfortable to put them side by side. I don't, I don't feel comfortable putting one better than the other in, this, in, in the passage I'm going to read. They are two heroes of faith. They are two heroes that the Bible speaks about. Elijah the prophet and the widow from Zarephath. And these people are two, are two uh, heroes who demonstrate what faith looks like. And I pray that whether you feel like a prophet this morning, <laughs> you're feeling like, you know, you're, you're in the will of God and you're in the place of God and you're doing the work of God and you're speaking the word of God. If you feel like a prophet this morning or if you just feel like a widow, and I say that respectfully, I don't say that in any way to, to be demeaning, but if you're feeling like perhaps your life is insignificant or you feel like your life is a prophet, then I, I want you to remember that in the scriptures, God speaks about both these people as people of faith, people of great faith. And, um, and I want to read from, from chapter 17, 1 Kings uh, chapter 17, um, verses, and, and I'll do probably what I, norm, what, I, what I don't normally do, but I do want to read this passage in its entirety. So I want to read um, verses 1 through to 16. Uh, so bear with me. Let's read it together. Um, and let's listen to what the Word of God has, has to say to us, and then I'll share some thoughts with us uh, this morning. 
And Elijah the Tishbite, one of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So Elijah went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please, bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar, and see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went her way, she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her households ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Thanks for your patience. I think that story just gives us a little bit of a I wanted to read that story to give you a bit of an overview of what's going on and help us a little bit to understand where the story, where the story is going. Now I'll ask you the same question. I'll ask you, I'll put it maybe in in the question to you now. Who do you think, who do you think had the great faith here? Now, now it might be tempting to think it's Elijah, uh, but I'm going to suggest again that both these people, both Elijah, the prophet and this widow from Zarephath had the same faith. This was great faith. This was great faith. One of the things I believe that um, when we share God's word with you and when you read the scriptures and when you pray and you, and you, and you uh, wrestle with your faith and you try and understand things is one of the things that one of the most remarkable things that can happen through all these experiences is to be able to get a glimpse of the character of God, just to get a glimpse of the character of God, that somehow in your heart and your mind, uh, the, the rubble can be sort of pushed aside and that you can see clearly, you can see clearly a bit more of the character of God, that if your heart and your mind, if my heart and my mind can just fathom bits and pieces of the character of God, our faith would be strengthened and our heart would leap for joy. 
but somehow through the mud of life that, that the, 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 the vision of God gets blurred. The character of God gets blurred. And somehow we see something of God, but we often interpret it through the lens of the mud, if you like. We often interpret experiences through what, what, we're, what we're looking through rather than who we're looking at. And if we can somehow today, this morning, get a glimpse, you know, that maybe the, the windscreen wipers would wipe away uh, some of the, the dust of the screen and be able to see a clearer picture of, of what, who God is, then I believe our faith will be strengthened and, and our hearts would, would leap for joy. Because this morning and next week, what I want to share with you is something about what God does for his people. Because we can easily say, and, and, and I was thinking about a title for this message, and, 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 and um, I'm not always great at giving titles for messages, but if, if I was going to give us something for this message, you know, I could have titled it something like, uh, God Knows the End. God Knows the End. Um, and and, um, and, and that, would, that would probably capture some of it, because God does know the end. But, but I think it's more than that. I think it's more than just God knows the end. But I would title it something like this, that God has the end in mind. That God has the end in mind. That when God is working something, that when God is starting something, that God, when God is doing something, he has the end in mind. Let me give you sort of a human picture that we might relate to today. You know, it's like if you watch a movie that... Um, uh, that you've seen before. You know, you might watch a movie two or three times and you've seen that movie before. Well, you know the ending, don't you? There's nothing going to surprise you about the ending. And that's not a bad thing. It's not necessarily a good thing. It's just that you know the end. And that's not God. God knows the ending. He has the privilege, if you like, of knowing the ending. God's, God's not, the ending isn't going to surprise God. When all is said and done, when, when there's a new heaven and a new earth, when God establishes the kingdom as he wants it to be, and we're all before the presence of God. And God knows. And that's a bit more like an artist who's painting or a sculptor who, who considers, who, um, who is starting something and in the starting of something has in their mind what it's going to look like, has in their mind a, a purpose and a vision of where it's going. And every stroke or every manipulation of that clay or whatever they're doing, everything they're doing is working. Now, again, that's a human illustration. God is more perfect than that. And everything that is happening, God has the end in mind. And when he's working with Elijah here and he's working with the widow of Zarephath and even her son, which we may not even get a chance to read because that's the end of the chapter, God has the end in mind. God is working something perfect and beautifully because he knows where it's going. And if we can, if we can somehow get a glimpse of that this morning, if we can somehow get a glimpse of that this morning, then I think what's going to happen is that, again, our faith will be strengthened in a way to persevere through the things that we experience. I'll tell you why. Because sometimes I think our trials, our struggles, our experiences, our temptations, the things that you and I experience are amplified, meaning they're made, they look harder and they become because we struggle to see that God has the end in mind. What we see is, is what's been. We look at the trial and we concentrate on the trial. 
We concentrate on the very thing before us rather than the big picture that God has the end in mind. It's like the saying that you can't see the forest from the trees. It's like the saying that basically you are, you are so focused on the little matters that you can't see that big picture. You can't see what is going on. And sometimes I think our struggles and our trials are amplified and made harder, intense, tougher. Because what we're focusing on perhaps is the wrong thing. And God is calling us to get a glimpse of him. God is calling us to get a glimpse of, of who he is. God is calling us to understand that he has the end in mind. And whether that's our experiences, uh, our trials, our, our children, where things are going, this COVID experience, whatever it might be, our conviction lies in the fact that God has the end in mind. Even our understanding of scripture. You know, sometimes I, people share with me and they wrestle with scripture and they don't even get it. They go, I, don't, I don't understand scripture. I don't understand this passage. What does it mean? And I might say, look, I don't really get all of it either at this point in my life. But you know what? God has the end in mind. And we're trusting and believing that God is working what he needs to work, whatever the circumstance, to bring the outcome that he wants to come to pass. That's God. That's God. And isn't it beautiful to speak about him? Isn't it a beautiful to highlight his character, to, to his quality? Because this is what gives us faith. If I think I give myself faith, I'm kidding myself. I'm fooling myself. But when I turn to God and ask him, God, in all who you are, grant me faith. Grant me the understanding. Grant me the completion of this faith. I'm, I'm looking to you. I'm holding to you. I'm trusting in you. Then God the Father, in his faithfulness and in his care and in his promise, gives and provides what is needed for your faith. This is God. And I thank God that it's God. I thank God that I'm not relying on myself to come to the end of my faith or the completion of my faith. So, so, brothers and sisters, our, 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 our circumstances are, they are certainly amplified if we don't get a sense, or if, we, if we fail to get a sense of who God is. Our circumstances can amplify our experiences, and, but rather when we begin to see God as the centre of everything, having the end in mind, this is, this is the goodness of God. This helps us to see, if you like, God working even in, even in the circumstance. But this is the mystery. This is the mystery that even though God has the end in mind, then what happens is that we still have a part to play. We have this, this, um, this, this, uh, this thing about us making sure that we continue to believe and to hold on to the things that God is asking us to do. And it's what I've been sharing with you the last couple of weeks. Remember the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he spoke about that it was by the grace of God he was what he was, but he labored even more. But not him, but the grace of God that was with him. And so there's this beautiful understanding, this beautiful blend between God is working, God is doing what he has to do, but at the same time we are doing what we have to do to get to the very end. But God has the end in mind. Yesterday I was going for a walk, and as I was coming to the end of my walk, there was this, this little boy, I don't know, probably a five or six years old, and um, he was on his little child's scooter, and he had both 
he had both feet on the scooter and he had his hands on the scooter, yeah? So his legs weren't even touching the ground. His feet were on the scooter, his hands were on the handles of the scooter and his dad, <laughs> his dad had him by the jumper and he was just walking with him, he was just dragging him along, you know, just dragging him along. And, he was, and this boy was going for the ride of his life because he, was, he didn't have to do anything in a sense. He was, well, he did, he was holding on and his feet were on the scooter, but his dad was pushing him along. Yeah. And I said, this is a beautiful picture of grace. Yeah, sure. There is a part that we have to play. Yes, yeah, sure. We're holding on. Yes, yeah, sure. But the father, the father is doing the work that he needs to do to get us to the place he needs to get us to. Thank God for that. Thank God again, that I don't need to rely on myself for faith. Thank God that I can rely on my heavenly father to build this faith and to complete this faith that he wants to complete in me. So again, who's got the greater faith here? Do we have um, Elijah or do we have uh, do we have um, um, uh, the widow from, from Zarephath? And so I guess if God has the end in mind, then what is central, what, what is key to what I'm trying to say is that we need to have a childlike faith to believe in everything the Father has to say. A childlike faith that brings us to a place that says, Lord, you say it and I'll continue to believe it. And I'll continue to hold on, believing. When my son was really little, I used to amuse myself and I'd say to myself that I'm going to write a book. I never did. It was just more out of fun. I was going to amuse myself and write a book that says, and the title of the book was going to be called, My Son Thinks I'm Spider-Man. My Son Thinks I'm Spider-Man. Because often as little boys do, they look to their parents and they look to their father and they're they, like a superhero, <laughs> you know, he can't do anything wrong, you know, he's got superpowers and everything's right about him and all that kind of thing. And I used to amuse myself that, my, that I write this book, that my son thinks I'm Spider-Man. And of course, as children get older, they get to understand their parents more and they start developing their thoughts and perhaps they start developing different thoughts to, to their parents. But you know what? As a child of God, that's the kind of faith we continue to hold on to, to believe that there is nothing our God cannot do and that he is perfect in all of his ways and his word will stay perfect forever. He is, if you like, our greatest superhero. He is, if you like, the, the one who is able to rescue from all things because he has the end in mind. He doesn't just know the end, but he has the end in mind. And this is where God is working. This is what God is doing. And God is doing it here in what we're reading today. I know, I know we'll get to this passage in a moment, but, but I, I, wanna, I want you to reflect on, on three, if you like, questions before I start this passage. I want us to reflect on three questions. There's a famine here. And the first reflection is this, for what purpose, for what purpose is this environmental disaster for? This disaster that affects the environment here, this famine, this drought, for what purpose is it? And whose purpose is it? Is it for Israel? Because Israel were in a bad place. They had Ahab as their king and they were doing some really bad things. They were building idols they shouldn't be building. They were worshipping Baal. They shouldn't be worshipping. Heel was... Uh, uh, he built Jericho, which was a fulfillment of, of Joshua's prophecy that basically was a horrible thing to do. They were in a bad place. So was the, was the drought for the purpose of Israel? Was the drought for the purpose of Elijah? Was this environmental disaster for Elijah's purpose? Was it for the widow? Was it for the uh, widow's son? 
Was it for the land where the widow lived, who were Gentiles? Was it for their land as well? For whose purpose was this? And this is why the word of God is so rich, because we don't read a story and think, oh, yeah, it's Elijah and the widow. There's so much else going on here that speaks to our life. And we realize to ourselves, God is speaking, God is moving, and God is using one event to do multiple things, a bit like our experience today. So God hasn't stopped working. God is using all that he needs to use with the disasters of life today to still do what he needs to accomplish. But this is a reflection. How do we begin to understand the way God goes about doing things to complete people's faith? How do we even begin to understand that? That God actually decided that in this disaster called a drought and a famine, that in this disaster, that he would somehow manage to get a prophet of God all the way to Zarephath to meet a widow in her house so her faith can be completed. How do you work that out? It's a little bit like how Jesus said, I leave the 99 to go look for the one who's lost. How do you understand the way God goes about doing things so he reaches your heart, your heart? You're no different to the next person. You're no less important than the next person. Sure, your circumstances feel maybe less important and maybe you've made yourself think you're less important. But you know what? Discouragement, discouragement is not, um, is not a, a reflection of defeat. Do you understand that? When you feel discouraged because you have circumstances, it doesn't mean you're defeated. You're discouraged. Call it what it is. Come before God and say, God, I'm discouraged. I don't understand my circumstances. I don't get why I am where I am today, but you're still God. Tell God about your discouragement. Your discouragement isn't defeat. And so when the devil wants to try and manipulate your thinking and your emotion to say that you feel discouraged, therefore give it up if you're defeated, it's a lie. God is working in your life. And in those moments of discouragement, God's going to use whatever he needs to use to get to your hearts. So again, how do we understand what God does and the way God goes about doing things to reach your heart? He took a man out of a drought to a place that were miles away to reach this woman and her heart. How could you not fall in love with God? How could you not fall in love with God, our creator? and the way he goes about to reach your heart. You know, Jesus spoke about this woman. It became so significant that it made the lips of Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? That Jesus found it worthy to speak about. He said this in Luke. I'll just read it for you. Luke chapter 4. He says, but I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath, to the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. Do you understand what Jesus is saying here? The significance of this woman? He says, you know what? There were many widows in the land of Israel, many but who did God send Elijah to? He sent Elijah to this widow, miles away, the north of Israel, past the north of Israel. Wonderful story. And so if it makes the lips of Jesus, boy, it's certainly a worthy, worthy read. 
to help? How are we encouraged? How are we inspired? How is our faith strengthened to know that God is doing all that he can? He's, he's working through everything to reach our heart and to, because he knows, he knows he has the end in mind. So when you look at your circumstance today and you look at your experience today and you say to yourself, where is it all going? How in the world am I going to even get to second base, let alone a home run? To know that God has the end in mind and to believe in a God who's doing all that he can to reach out and accomplish and complete the faith that he needs to complete in you. Hold on, brothers and sisters. So we assume our assumption is that faith was going to be easier for the man of God and harder for the widow. We assume that. Oh, man of God, Elijah, surely faith must be easier. But what we're going to realize, beloved, as we read this story, and <laughs> we may not get through much today, but what we're going to realize, beloved, as we read this story, the faith isn't easier for a man of God. It doesn't come easier for a man of God and somehow harder for a widow in Zarephath in a Gentile region. The faith is hard regardless. But when faith is, when we are determined to press into God and hold on in faith, that God, that what God does is he perfects our faith. And all of a sudden, in all our wrestles, God is working what he needs to work. I'll give you an example. Do you, think for, do you think that Daniel is in the den of lions? Do you think when Daniel is in the den of lions, he was doing this? Oh, God, you're so good. Do you think that's how Daniel was? Do you think that's how Daniel sat in the den of lions? I don't think so. Now, I don't think Daniel panicked and was crazy like a crazy man running around. I don't think Daniel did that either. But in Daniel's mind and in Daniel's heart, there would have been a wrestle. God, I want to believe. God, help me to believe. God, I'm going to find rest in you, God. Because around me, all I can see is hungry lions. And there's a wrestle deep in Daniel's heart. But he comes to a place of perfect faith. And he's able to find rest. And in that rest, God confirms it. And he shuts the mouths of the lions. That's what I believe Daniel's experience would have been like. It doesn't come easier for a man of God. It requires the same wrestle because the circumstances will differ. And so I love that God is open about this. I love that God is sharing with us the wrestles of the men of God, the women of God, and the wrestles of the ordinary people if you like, if there's such a thing as ordinary people in God's eyes. Because God is working. God is working and he's interested in completing the faith that he's begun in you. He has that very end in mind. So we better get to the story, yeah? So um, in chapter 17, uh, in chapter 17, verse 1, and it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, there's so much to share in this verse here, but I'll try and keep it simple. In light of what was going on with Israel and the evil practices of the king of Israel, God's people, Ahab, was doing some really bad things. God says that there's not going to be any rain or dew. This heat, it's going to heat up. It's going to heat up. And God was going to bring about an environmental disaster in order to capture, to, to, to stop, if you like, and maybe even 
uh, 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 for them to consider the, the evil of their ways. But we know that he had other plans as well in that whole journey and what was going on. Now, what's really interesting about this, this is unlike God, unlike God, but it's also like God, because Jesus tells us that God is so good that he makes the, the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. So God's not saying, you know what, because you're being so naughty, I'm going to stop it raining. <laughs> That's not God, because if God did that, he'd stop the rain every day for us as a world. And he'd stop the sun shining because a lot of people reject him. A lot of people hate him. Even his own people sometimes do things that are disgraceful to him. But it's not that. God is, it's not because God is saying, you know, shame on you, I'm going to stop the rain. No, because what God is doing out of his love, he's trying to capture and restore his people. And in this instance, because it's not hard for God. This isn't hard for God. Think about what God is saying. You know what? I'm going to stop the rain. Because what God is saying is this is not difficult for me. I could, I could have chosen anything, but I'm going to choose the rain. I'm going to choose it to be a famine because this wasn't hard for God. God just could touch any area of the environment and do what he wants to do. But in this instance, he chooses rain for whatever reason he wants to choose so he can capture, and God willing, I believe, to restore the hearts of his people. So he says to Elijah, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop this. And Elijah says, this is going to happen to Ahab and it's not going to come again except at my word. <laughs> That's pretty bold. He's a prophet telling a king, it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. Well, of course, because it's the Lord telling him. It's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And I love this because Elijah, in his boldness, is becoming a voice of truth. He's becoming a voice of truth in, in an environment where, where sin abounds. And boy, that's getting harder and harder for the church to do. And more and more churches are being swallowed up because they're, they're believing a lie rather than standing up and saying, Regardless of what's happening around us, we will be a voice of truth. We will be a voice of truth. That Jesus Christ came to set us free. That Jesus Christ came so that we can come out of the rut of our life, our lifestyle, our sin, our habits. He's come to set us free. And that we become a voice of truth. And even if people want to continue to wallow in their ways, the church stands boldly and says, this is the word of the Lord. And I love that. Because he does. Now, he's a bold man. He's speaking the words of God, if you like, boldly. But he's still about to face himself trials of his own. Now, I love this next verse because it happens a lot in the scripture. And I, I wonder, why did they do this? Why did they sort of narrow it down to one verse? But I love this verse because the Bible says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, and it happens a lot in the scripture. You see these little gems and the word of the Lord came to him saying, and the word of the Lord came to him saying. It's all throughout the Old Testament. If you do a study on just on the word of the Lord came to him saying, it's, there's tons of them, there's stacks of them in the scripture. Now, I love this because at the end of the day, that's what really matters. Is the word of the Lord coming to you? Is the word of the Lord speaking to you? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, are you opening up the Bible? Because that's still true. Because the Bible, as you open up the Bible, God's word is there for you. But what I'm asking is that as you listen, as you read the scriptures, as you contemplate on this message, how is the word of God coming to you? 
that's different to you sitting down today or standing maybe. That's different to you saying, I know what he's saying. I'm not asking you, do you know what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I'm not asking you to, to know what I'm saying. I'm asking you, is the word of God coming to you? Is the word of God uh, specifically speaking to you? You might know everything I'm saying. You might be listening to me this morning and say, I, I know everything he's saying. But is God's word speaking to you? Can you go away today and say, the word of God came to me, saying, and that, that you take away to practice and that you take away to live. And that, my, my brothers and sisters, is what the God is wanting to do. God is wanting to speak to your heart. Maybe this morning you came to a place in your life and you thought, I can't keep going, Lord, because I can't see where things are heading. And maybe in these very few words I've spoken to you, God has reminded you, look at him, because I have the end in mind. And if that's what spoke to your heart this morning, then the word of the Lord came to you. Take that, hold that, and let the enemy's whispers be shut out. Maybe this morning you've got a situation in your home that you think to yourself, Lord, how in the world is this going to be fixed? How is my circumstance going to be healed? How is my relationship going to be restored? And this morning you heard the voice of the Lord that said, I have the end in mind. Let me build your faith. Let me establish your faith. And if that word came to you, then hold on to that. Let that be established and that the whispers of the enemy, again, be shut out. Maybe this morning you've come and you don't even know the Lord. You think, what's this guy talking about? But something touched your heart. Something about Jesus touched your heart. And this morning you are uh, more interested in knowing, wanting to know more of the things of the Lord. Now listen, if the word of the Lord spoke to you like this, then you must, you must call out to the Lord. You must say, Lord, show me more of you. Lord, show me more what I need to know because God has spoken. You haven't just listened to the Bible. God has, God's word has come to you. And this morning, beloved, whatever way God's word has come to you in, this, in these few words that I've shared with you, and there's, there's so much more I want to share with you, but in these few words, I pray that you take this, that you hold on to this, and you let this be your hope. You let this be the very thing that establishes your faith. So I'm going to pray for us this morning and ask the Lord to uh, uh, speak whatever words he wants uh, to, our, to our lives and allow God to um, uh, do what he has to do to continue to perfect the faith that he has in us. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you, Lord God, despite uh, the circumstances this morning, we, we, uh, we don't worry, Lord, because you're, uh, you are sovereign. And, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. I thank you for um, uh, what you have spoken this morning. And I pray, Lord God, that we can consider uh, what the words and that we, our hearts will be open to hear what you have to say. Uh, Lord God, I thank you for all that you give us and pray that you continue to guide us this week knowing that always you have the end in mind. So thank you, Lord, and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.